There's a group in town called From the Ground Up. It's a Portland-based organization that uses the performing arts to create dialogue, build community, and give voice to underserved populations. You can find them online at fromthegrounduppdx.net. They're going to be presenting a new work by their executive director, Catherine Murphy-Lewis and Meredith K. Clark. It's called Nothing, A New Work in Progress. It's May 17th and 18th at 7.30 p.m. at New Expressive Works. You can find out more at their website, fromthegroundup.pdx.net and get tickets. It's free. Hey, everybody. It's Susanna Mars, and this is Adventures in Artslandia. And I am so fortunate to be sitting with Larissa Fasthorse, who's the playwright of the Thanksgiving play, which is currently running at Artist Repertory Theater. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am full of questions. I was so lucky to be a part of the EDI training you did for Artist Rep several months ago now. Yeah. Last, um, last June. Yes. You got me thinking about so many things and about my personal responsibility and learning. And then yesterday, I was so fortunate to attend the talk at the old church. And so many things came to the fore for me. One was, as an interested human being, how I can serve to the end of being a part of honoring the land that we're on Mm -hmm. and the land that Artist Repertory in particular is, is sitting on just because that's where we are today. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to what that looks like to you? Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways, right, that we can um, be of service. I think, you know, that's something I really try to spread with folks, like when we were talking here at Artist Rep and with all the other theaters I work with, um, and and to just people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) individuals out there, um, is that... A lot of times people don't know how to even start with Native American folks. I'm an indigenous woman from this, um, the Lakota Nation in South Dakota. And a lot of times people don't know how to start. And it seems too big or the genocide is too much or they think it's too far away or it's too close. Like there's just so many different things that get in the way, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you can relate to. And um, the thing I would say to people is you need to be aware that you are still standing on stolen land. And you are still profiting off of stolen land. And you have built your house in someone else's home. I mean, you built your home basically in someone else's house. It's really what it is. And that um, you you do owe something to the people on whose land you're standing. And so um, too often what happens is people come across as sort of a patronizing way, saying, oh, what can I do? How can I help? What can I give? When, when I say is what you need to say is, um, how can I be of service? Mm-hmm. So how can I be of service to the people on whose land I'm standing on? How can I be of service? What are the things I have as a human to offer to the fellow humans that have been displaced for me to have this life? And um, on a, you know, a company basis, for instance, here at Artist Rep, that turned into land acknowledgement before every show, having a land acknowledgement permanent um, signage out in the lobby so that when you go to the box office, you always see whose land you're standing on. Mm -hmm. And every time you walk through that lobby, you see that they have the land acknowledgement in every program. Um, So from a company level, that um, is a really big step. Uh, We were at a talk last night at NEA with Delana Studi, Mary Catherine Nagel, and myself. And um, a, a Native woman there said, when I saw that, in the lobby and then it was said out loud and it was in the program acknowledging whose land we're standing on I said this is a company I have to support and I'm going to be back I guarantee it Hmm. and um, 
because it just means so much when we've been erased, intentionally erased from the history and culture of America. So starting there, small though it is, it is a, it's a beginning, mm-hmm. right? And then from there now it grows into what other resources do I, do I have as a company? Do I have as an individual? And what can I offer to be of service and follow through on? And it's possible the Native folks may say, yeah, we're not interested in that, and that's fine. Um, but at least you can make the offer of whatever you have. Mm-hmm. And in this case, Artist Repertory Theater, as you know, it's been lobby. Like, we have this lobby. Mm-hmm. And what can if anyone's interested in it, we've got a bunch of people in the lobby, and all these people in the first week, these Native artists have come in and performed and sold their work and um, spoken with us and done a lot of things already because... Um, they wanted access to a different kind of audience, and um, we were able to give them that here at Artist Rep. Hmm. That's great. I mean, it's they, these issues are, are so broad and then also mm. so small. Yeah. You know, as an individual, you walk now through life, certainly as a member of the resident company at Artist Rep. Oh, this land belonged to this tribe, to these tribes. To all. This is information that is important now and is a part of my day-to-day. Yeah. Well, it's very likely. I, I don't know the specific treaties here in this area, mm-hmm. but I know, for instance, in my area, all of that land is still ours by United States governmental law. Mm-hmm. However, they've ignored that law and chosen to live on that land illegally. Mm-hmm. And so um, it isn't even it was our land. It actually, if you look in the laws and the mm-hmm. treaties signed by our government, it still is our land. Right. It was never, that was never, you know, negotiated away. It's so interesting because yesterday in the talk, you're, the, the group as a whole, we're talking about Andrew Jackson mm-hmm. and how the treaties or I guess the laws that were in place that he never enforced right and what that means to native peoples and he is a president not making good on actual law yeah again and again and many you know, many presidents before and after as well i mean washington i'm writing a play right now they've been commissioned to about um federal hall in new york city which was the site of the first continental congress and mm-hmm. where washington george washington was inaugurated mm-hmm. and the very first foreign treaty he signed because they the United States of America needed to look like a legitimate nation to the mm-hmm. rest of the world. No mm-hmm. one else, you know, they were just this little upstart of people. Mm-hmm. And no one recognized them as a legitimate nation, so they wanted to sign a foreign treaty immediately. So they signed it with the Creek Nation. And um, he, that happened within a week of his inauguration. And they brought this Creek delegation in and signed a formal treaty. Within, like, less than 20 years, they had ignored all of it. I mean, Oh, that's yeah. fascinating. Completely ignored it. Let their land be overrun. Let them be killed. Mm-hmm. Had them moved out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... And that goes on then from the beginning of America, from the first week of America mm-hmm. to now. That legacy continues. Another thing that got brought up yesterday that I thought was so interesting was a person in the audience asked, how do we correct the history books? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, gosh, aren't history books kind of passe now? Books? <laughs> I, mean, not, right. I mean, not novels and fiction and so forth, but mm-hmm. hist- history is being rewritten now every day. Mm-hmm. And when I say rewritten, I don't mean uh, – cor- I mean – it's being amended. It's being corrected. Corrected, yeah. And what well, all those books? I mean, for what mm-hmm. they're not worth the paper they're printed on. No, absolutely. And you know, you have to constantly think about right what, who wrote the history, mm-hmm. why were they writing it? Mm-hmm. You know, what we call history is actually a hugely movable target. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it amazes me. It just boggles my mind that like we get today, like we look at like fake news. We understand mm-hmm. that people 
lie. And then people write down lies. Mm -hmm. And we get it with some things, but when it comes to history, for some reason it's like, whoa, no, it's in a history book. It must be true. Someone once, hundreds of years ago, wrote it down. Right. Therefore, it's true forever. It's like, no, people lied then, too. And and, (laughs) and only certain people got to write things down in the first place. Yeah, exactly. It's so fascinating, too, because one of the poems that opened the Mm -hmm. afternoon yesterday, Clay River participated. And I can't remember, of course, the exact words, but it was, we didn't know... Uh, how to write that down, but we know the name of the tree that the paper was made from. Yeah, it's not beautiful. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it so beautifully encapsulates mm-hmm. what's wrong with what we treasured in that mm-hmm. particular instance. Yeah. Well, and for some reason, too, we, I don't know what it is about Western culture, it has this incredible um, weight to written word uh-huh. where, like, I have, I know a family friend who, um, a friend whose family, um, has a story that's been passed down in their in their family generation after generation of their ancestor mm-hmm. that watched the first boats um, arrive with the tall ships mm-hmm. across the Atlantic mm-hmm. that the first ones that hit their shore. Mm-hmm. They've been passing that story meticulously down for hundreds of years, perfectly intact. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- why do we not value that as legitimate history when these people have one at a time, generation after generation, just repeated the same thing over and over and over, and yet anyone can write anything they want down to whatever end they want, mm-hmm. and that somehow is truth, and the other one isn't. Here's my crazy theory about that. Yes, I've thought about sure. this a lot mm-hmm. because I think that emotional contact mm-hmm. creates fear. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the various cultures that hand down stories, I mean, as I told you, I'm Jewish, mm-hmm. and so there's all sorts of, um, because we were being chased out of everywhere, right. there was stories being told through music and klezmer and people running mm-hmm. and hiding and music being u- used for codes, and I would, I'm right. sure, very similar, all cultures that, 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 that personal contact that that type of story requires for some, I mean, yeah. it, emotions, for some reason, humans don't necessarily, I know they gravitate to it deep <laughs> down, but it's like, there's like an obstacle. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. I don't I know. Wonder, yeah, what that is. Yeah, and, and I think it also has to do with thinking something that's tangible mm-hmm. and spirit is so mm-hmm. intangible mm-hmm. and what allows us to connect right, yeah. at a deeper level. Yeah. It's not, can't have it in your hand yeah well then that always that makes me always then lead into i'm so i vilify academia all the time but <laughs> but they haven't been very good to my people some have been very good to my people some have been very bad to my people mm-hmm. but uh, you know ultimately right academia is a money-making enterprise right. primarily mm-hmm. higher education and they have to have things that can be codified and re- and repeated and and that doesn't you know, allow right. for spirit and emotion. You can't codify that and you can't repeat it. You can't put it in a book. You can't sell it. You can't sell it as a lecture. You can't sell it as a class again and again and again. Uh-huh. You know, and I wonder if that also, like, those feed into each other. I think they do. You know, yeah. kind of capitalist way that we view higher education. Though. And what's valuable. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that also college, for instance, and mm-hmm. the insane cost of a young person going to college. It's, it's ridiculous. absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Makes no sense. And um, I don't know how you start to unwind that. But again, that buys into the whole thing of what can you hold in your hand? And Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about, um, we were talking about the land, and as several people mentioned yesterday, being conservators of the land. And and your 
I guess, tribe, your belief in how you are responsible to the land. Um, I was thinking about that, you know, as an individual in terms of, you know, recycle all the various things that help us maybe return some of the land to a healthier, I guess, a place where we are in a cycle where the earth can recover from what we've done. Right. Do you have feelings about that and how how you're acting on that and yeah I mean I think yeah sure I I mean I'm from Santa Monica Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. that's where my husband's from and Mm -hmm. so that's where I live now and you know so we're you know we've had I mean on a like modern world way of thinking like we've had citywide free recycling since 1973 Mm -hmm. so I mean this is like way more than a way of life Mm -hmm. for in Santa Monica um you know past plastic bags, styrofoam, all those things are banned, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, it's been, uh, and so I think, you know, on like a modern life level, sure, that's always been a part of my my thinking and, and ways of moving through the world. But I also grew up in South Dakota where things are much more um, tangible in a, in a visceral, natural way, you know. We heated our house with wood, you mm-hmm. know, that we went and gathered ourselves and and that, you know, my father spent many hours splitting and, and that we hauled in through the snow and we are um, only, quote, fresh vegetables at that time before, that was before, you know, big shipping in Walmart and so that sort of thing are only, you know, fresh vegetables were things that we grew in the garden and canned mm-hmm. and um, or froze and had. And so, you know, we, it's funny because I grew up in town, very much a town, what's considered a city girl where I'm from, which is a town of 13,000 people, mm. but um, that's considered city there. And, but yet, you know, now I realize how incredibly connected we still were to seasons and um, cycles of life and all that. And it was just a natural part of my world that mm. I never really thought about until I left. And it's like, oh, you people just go buy vegetables whenever you want <laughs> and they're fresh and it's weird you can just buy fruit in the middle of the winter that's just crazy mm. you know we had my mother went through a tremendous amount of work to to can and freeze vegetables and fruits for us and we had apple trees that we picked from and you know and had applesauce all winter and mm. corn and you know all these different things that we'd you know bring out and bring that beauty of of, of um sunlight back into your world for a moment in the middle of a very long, dark winter in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, and be, just having that awareness and not taking it for granted, mm-hmm. I think, is a, I, I didn't realize how much that's affected my whole life. And um, and then I'd say also on a, another kind of a, I don't know, more intellectual level, mm-hmm. um, I have a good friend that uh, she, I'm working with in a, in a project in Arizona, and she was saying how um, every time she goes somewhere new, um, you know, we're, you're in a different nation. Like right now, we're in a, in a nation that is um, a sovereign nation's land here in Portland. And that she would find out, like you would, say, if you went to France or you went to Germany, mm-hmm. how do you say hello? How do you mm-hmm. say thank you? How do you say goodbye? Oh, that's great. And learn that in those languages. Because mm-hmm. you would do that if you go to France. You'd do that if you go to Germany. But for some reason, we don't do that here. So, you know, any, any nation she visits, um, and there are over... 560-some here in the United States that are recognized by the federal government and hundreds more mm-hmm. individual nations all over this geography. Every time she goes, sets foot in a new nation, she finds out how to say those things and to be this respectful person on someone else's land. And we do that everywhere else, but we don't do it here. It's, it's a strange thing. Well, again, yesterday, when I can't recall if it was you, I don't think so, mm-hmm. we're talking about the passport 
Mm, yeah. I think it was maybe you. No, it wasn't. I think that was Mary Catherine, maybe. Yeah, that first she is Cherokee, mm-hmm. and then... Oh, no, that was me, yeah. yeah first you're Lakota, <laughs> yeah. and then you're an, a United States... Yeah, I'm a citizen of the Lakota Nation first. Yeah, Mr. Changun Lakota Nation. Now that just never—I was like, citizenship. Oh, yeah. mind blown! <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a new idea that these are nations that exist within our mm-hmm. United States. Yeah, we are sovereign nations, um, and given the power of sovereignty um, in treaty rights with the United States, and those, that sovereignty is still recognized. Yes, um, it's been eroded away tremendously. But we do have um, sovereignty. So, yeah, my primary citizenship was the Sachanga Lakota Nation. My secondary citizenship, I was born into that. And then mm-hmm. my secondary citizenship, in my mind, is the United States of America. Mm-hmm. So it's like I was still, like I said yesterday, if America disappears tomorrow, I'm, I've still got my nation. I mean, I'm, I'm good. Right. You know, I don't have to and I was worry also, about America. <laughs> uh, I was also just um, heartbroken as to the women who have gone missing, who have not been attended to by the government of the United States. Mm -hmm. That was something that I had read a little about but did not know the extent uh, to which they'd been neglected. Yeah, murdered missing indigenous women. Um, If you do, I believe it's hashtag MMIA. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing, Uh, you know, between um, in all of North America, the numbers are staggering uh, of women who are missing or murdered, and um, in both in both cases, just not investigated and and not even kept track of really. I mean, people just um, there aren't like even statistics that were being kept on them for a long time. And it's only recently that people are are shining a spotlight and putting together national measures to make sure that these women aren't forgotten. But mm-hmm. it's it's every native community I've been to is like, oh yeah, you know these. These girls go missing. These girls disappear. These women are murdered on our reservations. I mean, they were murdered in the cities, you know, and no one cares. And it's, it's the, the I don't remember, America Mary Catherine Nagel to be better at telling you the exact statistics, but mm-hmm. they're incredibly high, like off the charts higher than any other group in this mm-hmm. country. I remember when she America. quoted them yesterday, everyone gasped. Yeah, it's incredibly high. It's ridiculous. And um, no one really cares. I mean, it's just, I mean, from the larger, you know, mm-hmm. community perspective, mm-hmm. um, I think if, you know, if, if white women were disappearing at the rate that Native women are, it would, I mean, it'd be a massive national crisis. I mean, no one would be able to comprehend it, mm-hmm. how how many there are. And, you know, yet this has been happening for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard segue from a topic yes. like that <laughs> so, yeah. to this Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thanksgiving play is a satire. Yes. People are loving it. It's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. I thought it was so interesting yesterday when the gentleman got up and said, there was a point in the play where I thought, I can't laugh. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's fascinating because earlier in the mm-hmm. talk you had mentioned how you think about it is either we either laugh or cry. Yeah. And so... I wonder how you feel about the different responses from a native versus a non-native crowd of people and how they respond to the play and what you think about that. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's, you know, the tricky part of this play, right, is that we're using both humor and satire. So mm-hmm. humor is something we can all universally laugh at and, and be amused by. And then satire can also be something you laugh at, but ultimately it turns a mirror back on yourself, mm-hmm. right? And makes you have to think a little bit about why that's funny or why it's not funny or whether or not you maybe 
are complicit in some of the things that shouldn't be funny or, you know. And so um, I'm, so I'm using both in this play, and it's a constant, like, knife edge we're trying to walk. So it was interesting um, with that gentleman, for instance, who is, is white. Um, I did speak to, with him later. He's really deeply into indigenous issues as well. Mm -hmm. um, so he's maybe a little more aware than most. Mm -hmm. um, excuse me, but he also... Um, you know, had to express that after a certain point he couldn't laugh anymore because mm. he was he was feeling the emotions of like the reality. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, that I've heard that a few times, but mm. not particularly often from folks. Generally, um, you know, people are able to get back into the humor of it. Um, same thing with Native folks. You know, there's a couple things that are pretty shocking in the play that um, are true, um, <laughs> but shocking. Uh, and I've heard a couple of people, you know, and I did warn folks that, you know, there might be some triggering for them with those these because they're depicting actual historical horrors in a way um but generally they're done in a way that's meant to be satirical mm -hmm. and generally i've noticed the native folks are actually laughing harder than anybody in those mm -hmm. parts because mm -hmm. they are just it's like oh yes this is exactly what happened this is how white people would use it mm -hmm. like to kind of better themselves and make themselves look good in a way they'd use these horrors to look like woke people in a way you know mm. we see that happen and so i've noticed native people actually tend to laugh harder at those mm. parts than white folks and i'm 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 down with white people laughing <laughs> at it and then being like oh wait you know huh right maybe i shouldn't be and maybe it sh and you know ultimately then you know we use more humor after that, mm -hmm. and and hopefully you can enjoy the humor as well. Right, and that kind of leads me to my next question. It's not really a question, but it's about how art and social justice can work together, you know, oh, yeah. and help people, you know, enter into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, for me, I mean, I... Uh, John Horn on the frame called me a theater activist. And that's really, you know, I really embrace that term because I feel like all my social justice work is done by using theater as a tool for it. And not, not you know, there's all these other things we do, right, mm -hmm. that you've participated in mm -hmm. here. I was off the stage and mm -hmm. getting the indigenous community involved in the theater company, but then also on the stage um, using theater, using art, using comedy and satire and whatever else um, to have us really think, you know, um, I'll say you can find a million in, um, reviews online mm -hmm. of my plays with reviewers being frustrated and they literally saying she didn't tell us what to think. Mm. I've seen that line in several reviews, like for verbatim. Oh, for <laughs> and I'm like, correct. And that's because we live in America. <laughs> well, I'm hoping nobody's going to tell us how to think, but right. oh my goodness. But apparently that's my job as an indigenous woman is I'm supposed to tell people what to think. I don't know. Um, and I don't feel like that's my job. I mean, my, my job from my point of view as an activist is to help people find new ways of thinking. Mm. And I'm, I'm not even, if I just tell you, here's what you should believe, here's what I think you should think, you can accept it or reject it. Mm -hmm. If I create characters that you can identify with and that you can say, oh, I've seen those people, I know those people, maybe I am those people, and you start to um, really let them in to your thinking, then at the end, if I do not tell you what to think about them and you have to wonder about it, it's going to cause actual like new pathways in your brain, mm -hmm. which causes new ways of thinking, mm -hmm. which opens up a million new possibilities. And that's what I want. My, my plays happen after the, you know, the lights come up. Mm -hmm. um, that's the second act of my play is, is what happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm really trying to achieve with my work. And um, so apparently it works well because I clearly have not told people what to think, as many reviewers have pointed out again and again. <laughs> One point for you. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, great, yeah, I'm down with that. Um, that's my that's my goal. Um, so you're going to continue yeah. to tell or to not tell people what to think at Playwrights Horizons, where this play is now going to have another uh, yep. production. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's my first um, uh, full-length production in New York City, and it's a pretty awesome way to start out. It's one of my favorite theater companies um, in the nation. So uh, we're going. I'm actually heading there this week to wow. um, start our uh, casting process and design process. Maritz von Stupenagel is directing it. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Hand to God on Broadway, Present Laughter. Yeah, so he's he knows laughter. He knows Exciting. comedy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited about it. And he and I did a couple workshops last fall and had oh. a great time working together. Oh. So yeah, it goes there next, and then goes to Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, and then we're opening it up for um, licensing for other theaters. That's so exciting. Yeah. It must be so strange in a way to, I would say, give birth to a piece mm-hmm. in one theater. Then you kind of shepherd it along, and then you say, fly, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, yeah, it is. It's, it is kind of crazy. and it's, it's, um, Yeah, it's a weird feeling to watch it just kind of go off on its own after a while. But honestly, by then, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be ready. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'll be very, you know, already be deep into, you know, several of my other projects that are coming up after that that are being produced. So, um, And actually, by the time we get to Cincinnati, I'll be in production on two other new plays. So mm. it'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be ready to say, okay, go. Mm. <laughs> get out. <laughs> get out of the nest. <laughs> I got other stuff to do. <laughs> You've been so generous from the time that I met you in the first place, available to me personally, to our organization, to our community. It's been, I want to thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... Artist Rep has really embraced the challenges I put to every theater company, um, which are that I'm, I'm not the only Native art in the season and I'm not the only Native person paid anything in the season. Mm-hmm. And I, I put that challenge to every theater I work with. And Artist Rep has embraced that and run with it like nobody. It's really been wonderful. So it's exciting for me that you guys are, are, are so into it and want to support that work and be a part of it. That's well, just great. that type of challenge is so exciting mm-hmm. for people to realize that we have the power in our own way mm-hmm. to set goals for ourselves and for people we work with, you know, and that's exciting. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I know when I email you, you write in your email, I email back at these times. To my mind, that helped me see, right, life, work, balance, <laughs> you know, just a little weird thing, but it impacted mm-hmm. me. And I've told like nine people that, like, that's genius. That's <laughs> genius. So, I mean, it's just keeping these simple things in mind, inspiring each other with ways to be in the world that are uh, breathable. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, because ultimately, you know, again, like some, I mean, theater, I love theater, and theater's been really good to me, mm. but it's um, it's not my end game. Mm-hmm. My end game is everything that happens outside the theater, mm-hmm. you know, changing the way people think, changing the way people look at the world, changing the way uh, the ground feels under your feet after mm-hmm. one of my plays, and then also, though, making it an open and inviting space for indigenous populations. I was so proud this past week, uh, opening night especially, uh, uh, um, Anthony Hudson, who's well-known mm-hmm. around here, mm-hmm. he uh, he was he posted on Facebook that he had never seen this many Native people in a theater before. Mm-hmm. And um, the night before, another friend was like, I've never seen this many Native people. And it was just really wonderful and heartwarming because that that's the end game to me you know it's i i'm really fortunate um american theater has opened the doors to me from the beginning um and so i get to hold the door open and um let a lot of other people in that's incredible it's a great metaphor holding Mm -hmm. the door open that we can all do it in our way yeah so to to uh continue to hold the door open Mm -hmm. how do you say hello and goodbye in lakota uh how 
So, like, you know how people go, how, uh-huh. in uh, movies? It's actually, that is, it's H-A-U, so how. How. Is hello. Mm-hmm. And um, I can tell you that hello, friend, is how cola. How okay. cola. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Is palamia yay. If you're a woman, you say palamia yay. Palamia yay. Yeah. And that's, um, we, so our language is, a. Uh, um, I think like Spanish and a lot of other languages, it's a masculine, feminine language. Mm. So that's how I would say it as a woman. Hmm. Yeah. And we have different endings on our words depending on whether you're male or female hmm. or two-spirit. And then you get to do anything you want. Huh. Well, thanks again for being here, being a part of our community, being a resource, holding doors open. I <laughs> uh, just hope we'll see you soon in future. Yeah. I can't wait to come back. Yeah. <laughs>